talk a little bit today about that God does speak. A lot of folks don't know that. They think he only speaks through the professionals on Sunday morning. Or they think everybody else must be more spiritual than they are. Let me tell you, he does speak. He speaks to me. He speaks to you. In fact, he promises that he would. In fact, he's always speaking. The problem is, is we're not always listening. Or we've been told that he doesn't speak. So we don't think we can hear. Which is a sad thing to me. The writer of Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've been a pastor moving in this prophetic gift for a long time, and I've come to realize, and Devin, I hate to tell you this, uh, people don't come to hear our messages. They don't come to hear the great worship band, and you have a great worship band. I really loved them. I think people come to church because they're just hoping that there really is a God, that He really does know them and might want to speak to them about their life about their purpose for being here, about their destiny. And I'm, I'm glad the young folks are here today. I want you to know that God can speak to you and speak to you clearly. When I was five years old, my grandmother prophesied to me that, that I had a call on my life. I thought, was that a, a phone call or what is that? You know, I'm, I didn't know what a call was, but, but my mom never let me forget. Now, Wayne, you've got a call on your life. And she, she told me, I said, well, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I want it. If I'm going to have to be like my uncles, the evangelists, I don't want that life. You know, I want to play football. I want to be in the Beatles. I want, you know, there's all these things I want to do. And that's not for me. Well, when I was 20, June and I found ourselves caught up in a move of God called the Jesus Movement that swept over the Arkansas Tech campus. And we saw gobs of young people get saved. And then we found ourselves in the funny position of being their leader. It's one of those things where everyone stands up to volunteer, and you stay standing and everybody else steps back. It was one of those things. But we found ourselves, uh, uh, we had a house at the end of the football field, and everybody just came to our house, and we saw a phenomenal move of the Spirit. And I thought, well, I'll stick with this until a real pastor comes along. That was my thought. I was a business major, going to go to law school, I hoped. I want to make all the money I could, go home. My dad wanted me to come home to Ozark and, you know, kick butt and take names. That's kind of what he wanted me to do. That was our plan. Well, God had other plans for me. When I was 20, I was at a meeting in Little Rock, and a guy prophesied over me, and I'd, I'd just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied over me, and he said, You're called a minister, and there'll be great power in your ministry, and you'll prophesy to nations. And I thought, yeah, right, I've never been east of Little Rock. You know, I'm from Ozark. You know, Ozark, do you even know where that is, even though it's just down the road? <laughs> yeah, Ozark, big O. <laughs> and then uh, when I started leading the church. We, we, we built in team because I was traveling a lot. I was in the contemporary Christian music scene, and we were doing festivals long before we had uh, music companies and publishers and minders and managers and all those things that made it so interesting. Back then, it was just about the music. It was just about singing the, song, the new song that God's put in your heart, and that's what we did. And when I was 27, we, we made this little horrible cassette tape. Anybody remember a cassette tape? It's, we made this little horrible cassette tape called Praises from the South. And it was a combination of James Taylor songs and our songs and other songs, things like that. And 
that little tape just captured the imagination of some people that were coming through, and it ended up getting us a we got invited to England and uh, got involved there. I've been a songwriter for Kingsway Music for a number of years. And, but when I was in England for the first time, when I was 27, I was at a meeting in London, and a guy from New Zealand that had never met me before came up and he said, I've got a word for you. And I said, okay, what's that word? He said, you're going to pastor a great church and you're going to prophesy to the nations. And I thought, well, that sounds familiar. So then I went to uh, Bristol, England which is over on the west side. And this lady from Wales, she, said she sent a message by her husband. That guy coming with the funny name, I didn't know that was me, but apparently it was for me. And so she said, tell him that he is going to pastor a church and he's going to prophesy to the nations. So God spoke to me when I was five. I got into the Beatles so big when I was 13, I thought it was just about the Beatles, but what it was is God was going to give me favor in England. The first time I stepped down in England, God said, I'm going to give you favor in this land. I've gone, I've gone at least once a year uh, since 1979. Then I got this word, and it was, it was confirmed by someone I didn't know from New Zealand and England. I got this other word from someone in Wales that sent this word to me, and so I thought, well, maybe God's trying to speak to me, you know? Sometimes we're a little thick. But at that time, I didn't know. But since then, I've been to 36 nations, and I've, and I've pastored the same church for 45 years. Now, you draw your own conclusion. Did God speak, or did he not? I don't share that in any way to brag on myself, because I didn't have much to do with it except to say yes. You know, God gets you to say yes before you see the contract. Have you ever noticed that? And so you say yes, and he fills in the contract, and... and it has been an, off, an awesome ride for me for 45 years. And, and I want to tell you that I have seen God speak through all kinds of people in all kinds of ways at all kinds of time. And I want to tell you right now this morning that God wants to speak to you even more than you want Him to. And I hope these next few minutes I can share a few things with you that will uh, help you see that it's both biblical as well as practical. We said in this book that everyone needs a word from God. And Tom and I, we were talking about doing the book, we said, how can we get rid of the weird without losing the wonderful? And we have prophetic presbyteries in Russellville. Every weird person in three counties shows up. And they've all got words, you know what I mean? They've all, they all need the microphone, and they've all, and it, it gets a little scary. But you know what? I'll face a whole room of weird people if there's that wonderful word of God that's in the middle there. So you... You do have to be, you do have to know a little bit about what's going on. The prophetic ministry is very dynamic. It's potentially awesome. It's potentially destructive. Not the ministry itself, but the vessels that walk in that ministry. I had a woman come up to me once. She's a lot taller than me, and her name was Bertha. And she had, and I wanted to call her Big Bertha. I thought it. I confessed it. She walked in. She walked into our church, and she had her, uh, her husband, who was a lot smaller than her name, I think Samuel. Hello, I'm Sister Bertha. I'm an apostle. This is my husband, Sam. He's a prophet. Say hi, Sam. Hi. <laughs> she said, I want you to know we've been praying, and God has spoken to us that you need us. And I said, oh, good, good. Glad you're here. And she says, so... Uh, do you want to hook me up with a microphone, or am I just going to have a handheld? I'm going to preach today. And I said, well, Bertha, 
bless your heart, as we say in Arkansas when we don't like something. I said, Bertha, bless your heart. I said, you know what? That's not how we do things here. But you know, if, if Billy Graham walked in our building today, he wouldn't do what you just did. He would sit on the back row and he would wait to be invited up. And I said, that's how we do things here. I said, you're welcome to stay and you can sit anywhere in that back section that you see and just get, get in and see what's going on with us. And so she stormed out and said, well, I guess, I think she, I don't know if she said Ichabod or something like that as she was leaving, you know, the glory has departed. So we've had all kinds of experiences through the years, but I want to tell you, God speaks through his word, absolutely. Some people think the only way God speaks is throughout of scripture. He speaks in all kinds of ways. You ever looked at a sunrise? You ever seen a sunset? You ever got up at five in the morning and saw the stars in the sky and you were just overcome? Look what our creator has done. He speaks in all kinds of ways through all kinds of vessels, in one place even through a donkey. Well, let me just talk a minute about this, spirit, this biblical principle, he still speaks. I want to tell you, God hasn't lost his voice. He didn't give us the Bible and then move away and said, I've done my job. If you didn't know about me, it's all there in the book. Just don't bother me. I'm going to go visit some other planets, and you just get on with the Bible. He didn't do that. I suspect God is a lovesick God, and he wants to have fellowship and relationship with us. What kind of a relationship is it if you don't talk? Not just monologue, conversations, dialogue. You know what, he, he, his original intent was to walk in the cool of the afternoon with us like he did in the garden and walk with us and talk with us and tell us that we're his own. God has spoken in the past. He's speaking today and he promises he's going to continue to speak. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 8.3, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding or coming forth out of the mouth of God. The oldest book in the Bible, Job, says in 33 verse 14, for God does speak. Now his friends were saying, just, just die, Job. Just forget about God. He doesn't care. He doesn't see. They, his good advisors were telling him, just go ahead and do yourself a favor and die. And then Job says this. You know what Job was going through. He says, for God does speak now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. As I said, God is always speaking. That's not the problem. We aren't always perceiving. Sometimes we've got the radio, but we don't have it turned on. You know what I mean? Those airwaves are always going through the air, but we have to have a receptor. And, that, and what that is is us being open to the real possibility that God might speak, and he might speak to me. One of the ways that God speaks is through a prophetic word. Lots of definitions about prophecy, but the best I ever found was a friend of mine and lives in Cardiff, Wales, and he, he defined it this way. Prophecy is a living word from a living God to a living people. And what are you going to celebrate in just a few weeks? Does anybody remember? Easter. What are we celebrating? He rose from the dead and he is alive. He is alive. And he's ready for a conversation with you. Can you just nod or something and let me know you're... <laughs> All right. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll just look at that really, really quick. Paul had an interesting job with the Corinthians. They were known for two things. They were known for spiritual gifts and immorality. So he had to figure out how to pull out the precious 
and let the worthless fall away. And so 1 Corinthians 12, he starts talking about spiritual gifts and how they ought to be looked at. And, he has, and then he started looking and said, well, I've got to give them some context. So 1 Corinthians 13, about you can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. So then he goes back into 1 Corinthians 14 to explain how the gifts ought to work. Let's read verse 1 through 4. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Look at this, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for three reasons. Judgment, shame, and exposure. No, that's what people think. It's for encouragement, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, or edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those are the three reasons. Those words mean to build up, to fire up, and to hold up. How many of you need encouragement now and then besides me? How many of you could use a comforting word now and then? Do you sometimes need a kick in the pants and an exhortation from someone to get out of bed and go do what God's called you to do? That's what prophecy is for. It's always to get you moving and going forward with a heart that's encouraged, not under guilt and condemnation that God's some big cosmic ogre just waiting for you to do something wrong so he can open up the door and you go straight, straight to the bad place. I think God's looking around to catch somebody doing good. And if they're not, he's called and said, come on, I'll show you how to do good. That's what God's always trying to do. That's the God I know. The Apostle John, writing down some of Jesus' words, says that we should expect to hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If there's an expectation from Jesus himself that you'll not only know about him through the scriptures, but you'll know him by the revelation through the Holy Spirit and by your own personal relationship, you'll know him. All right? Well, what about prophets and prophecy and all that? Is it, is it voodoo? Is it, you know, is it, is it uh, what is that stuff? Well, is it horoscopes? Is it all that stuff? You know, whenever God plants a good a good plant. Weeds always grow up beside it. My farmer friends tell me how you know when wheat is going to harvest. It's right there with the weeds. Well, the wheat does this. It, it bows. That's how you know when it's ready to harvest. The enemy is always sowing weeds alongside the wheat. So we have horoscopes and we have voodoo stuff and we have all this creepy stuff that the enemy tries to disguise himself as an angel of light coming to deceive. So there's always that stuff you have to deal with. So you need something called discernment. You need leadership that aren't afraid to face things. Let me talk about the four spheres of prophecy. There's four different spheres that I talk about in my book. It might help to think of the process of a bricklayer going through developing his skills. I took a bricklaying course once. It was disastrous. Oh, horrible. My wife could have aced it. She can fix anything. But I just can't. I can play guitar like ringing a bell, but I cannot lay brick. I tried. But I learned the process. It starts off, you start off as a laborer, a helper. We call them grunts sometimes. You, you can carry this from here to there, and you've got to watch. Then the next thing, the next thing is an apprentice. You start doing some stuff. You get to bring the mud in, and you get to every once in a while sprinkle some on there. And then the next stage is a journeyman. You start practicing your craft, but under 
the fourth stage, which is a master craftsman. And I think it's kind of like that in these four spheres of, of prophecy. It's in that maturing process. So the first and the most foundational sphere of prophecy is the prophecy of Scripture. Peter said in 2 Peter 1.20, knowing that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But look at this. But God did what? What did God? But God spoke. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God spoke to men by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote down what He spoke. And that became the prophecy of Scripture. All other prophecy is judged on the prophecy of Scripture. If it doesn't line up with the Word, you've got a question if that's a good prophecy. You okay with that so far? We can all move in that realm of prophecy. We can all read the Scripture. Don't subcontract that joy to someone else. Read the Bible yourself. The second sphere is the spirit of prophecy. Paul explains, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets for God is not a God of confusion but of peace. That's in 1 Corinthians 14. This is about a contagious anointing of the spirit. Like the time King Saul was among the prophets and he began to prophesy. It says in 1 Samuel 10, Saul was changed into a different person when the Spirit of God came on him in power and he joined in their prophesying and they said, Saul must be among the prophets. At home sometimes I get stuck. Devin, have you ever gotten stuck? Every day. Every day. You don't know what to do. Sister Martha didn't get her parking spot. Sister Mary thought it was hers in the first place. You know, you're trying to figure out what... There's these, these things come up big and small things and you get stuck and, and sometimes you're really trying to hear God and you can't hear. One of the things I love to do is go down the hall and get with our kids, some of our kids, and just gather some of the kids around me and say, you know, say, Pastor Wayne, I need to hear from God. And I wonder if you'd pray for me and tell me anything God might say to you. And so they'll, let, they'll just gather around and start praying over me and then this little hand will come forth and they'll say something like, and the Lord, I believe the Lord is saying, Pastor Wayne, that, that something's going to change on Tuesday and everything will be okay by Friday. Now, where are those graham crackers? You know, they just walk. <laughs> and we like it to be that simple and that real and honest. And let me tell you, God has spoken to me dozens of times through children. The great Celtic revival in, the, in Ireland was led by kids giving prophetic words. This one kid had this word, I see us all getting in boats and we're throwing the oars away and God's going to take us around to kings. So they got in boats, threw away their oars, let the Irish Sea take them where it was. It took them around to Cornwall and they met a king, a budding king, and he gave his heart to Jesus and the message spread. Let me tell you, God can speak however he wants to. He can speak through a black woman or a woman as the Holy Spirit. He can speak through donkey. He can speak through you. Amen? If we can accept Numbers 22, 28, that God did speak through donkey, maybe we can think God can speak through men and women, boys and girls. The third sphere is the gift of prophecy. And that's in a long line of gifts, nine of them in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's up there. You read it. Let me just point out a couple of things. All these gifts 
are different, but they're all for the common good of the body of Christ. They're for the common good of the body of Christ. And one of those mentioned in the nine gifts there is prophecy. The gift of prophecy is like that journeyman gift who starts laying bricks regularly under supervision of appropriate accountability. In our small groups at home, we encourage people to learn to prophesy, practice. And some of them really get it right, and some of them really get it wrong. I've heard words like, yay, yay, yay. Heard one guy say once, thus saith the Lord, I forgettest thou name. Well, they... they they, 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 they built it up by speaking in King James, but I'm pretty sure God who knows everything wouldn't forget our names. <laughs> We've had all kinds of weird words. It's been crazy. It's, it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been a good challenge because we regularly now see people bringing God's Word to other people. And it's done decently and in order. We point that out in the Scripture. These things should be done decently and in order. And they're thinking about decent and order. I'm thinking about done. They should be done. (laughs) Let's figure out how to do them decently and in order, but they need to be done. Some people just get rid of them because they've seen all the mistakes and all the manipulation that can go on. All right, the last sphere of prophecy I'll mention is the office of prophet. It's what's called one of the five grace gifts God gives the body of Christ through a man or a woman. It's a foundational, equipping, master craftsman sort of gift. And Paul explains it this way in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles. Some. Does that mean everybody? No. It means some. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And this is why to prepare or to equip God's people for their work of service. And I saw that there one time. I thought, thank God it's not all up to the pastor. All I'm supposed to do is equip you for your work. The trick is going to be to get you to do your work. One of the ways I do that is by raising up prophetic people that will encourage you and comfort you and strengthen you and exhort you to do something for God, something He's put in your heart. From Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, it says this, So so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built, look at this, on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. These are all, what I want you to see is they're all foundational biblical principles all through Scripture. You're going to have to wrestle with me. You have to wrestle with this. How people say that gifts aren't for today, they just have to rip out entire sections of their Bible. You know, have you ever noticed that when the Holy Spirit shows up, it gets a little messy? You notice that? A lot of pastors don't like messy. I don't like it. I like to know how long I'm supposed to speak. I like to know where I'm supposed to stand, what I'm supposed to do. Then the Holy Spirit comes and messes up everything. Holy Spirit messed up my life. And I've never been the same. He took all of my little plans and brought forth all these great plans for my life. And that's what he wants for you. Let me talk just a minute about personal prophecy. I just got a minute. Uh, How's that supposed to work? You see people prophesying. I saw people selling prophecies on television. $50 prophecies, $100 prophecies. I've seen that late at night. I got so mad I wanted to blow up the TV. Well, let me just talk about words and season. 
King Solomon wrote, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a but a timely word in season, how good is it? That's Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, 23. Let me see how much time do I have here. Uh, let me just tell you one story, then you'll have to trust me. I'll give you the scriptural references for the rest of it. First time a prophet came to our church, he prophesied over me, and he said, uh, I see you going up big steps, going down these marbled halls. You're going into the courts of justice for the little ones. And I thought, man, this guy's crazy. I have no idea what he's talking about. June and I were throwing 330 newspapers a day. I was playing in nightclubs and working in the English department, and she had jobs, and we were trying to get through college, and this church was exploding out of our house, and we didn't know what to do. And so I graduated. About a year and a half later, I'm working for social services. I'm over Pope County uh, abuse and neglect. One night, I had a really difficult time. A little girl that was abused pretty terribly, and it really messed with me. I, I didn't know if I could do this job. It was too hard. Next day, I'm at work, and my secretary comes in, and she says, uh, she says, Wayne, you're going to be late. Hurry. And she put a file in. So I ran next door to the courthouse. I'm going up these big steps. I'm going down these wide marbled halls, and I'm going into the juvenile judge to plead for this little girl. And I realized that wasn't a ministry-defining word. That was a word in season. The Lord knew I was going to need a word in that season to stay encouraged and to go forward. So that's what words in season are. And what we'd like to do is, and I'll come, maybe come back another time and tell you some other stories, but just remind you of what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them, by the words made about you, you might wage a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. He said, do not neglect your gift in 1 Timothy 3, which was given you through a prophetic message from the body of elders, the presbyteros laid their hands on you. You probably don't want to know any of that, but that I need, I need to keep you seeing it's all in the Bible, all right? Are you okay with this? Can we bring the snakes out now, Pastor? Uh -huh, I'm just kidding.